And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. And guys, the Stanley Cup Finals are just two hours away from starting. Oh my goodness. The coffee's kicking. The guests are lined up. And Switzerland beat France and is moving on to the quarterfinals of the Euro 2020. Holy cow, guys, this tournament is so much fun to watch. But I won't go too far into it because there's so many other shows you can watch for actual football analysis. Not me, just me and my wife yelling and screaming about a penalty kick that got stopped. This is the Keel Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. And make sure if you're watching us, you can always watch us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Zingo TV, Channel 761, the promo code 12 Ounce. That's 1, 2, O, and Z or Z for you improper English users. Be sure to check it out that way. That's how you can always watch us here on 12 Ounce Sports. But as always, remember... If you're starting off right now, say, Tyler, I can't watch until past 7 o'clock. That's okay. You'll miss a couple of cool guests, but that's all right. You can watch the replay tomorrow on the Kuehl Show YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to us unless you want to, you know, don't want to see my ugly mug. I'm not taking any offense to that. Don't worry. Of course, we got to thank our awesome sponsors for today's program, which includes mybookie.ag down there in the corner. Mybookie.ag, guys, so much playoff action, so much awesome sporting events you can bet on using mybookie.ag. Go on there, use the promo code 12-Ounce Sports to sign up for free, win and get paid on mybookie.ag. And as always, up there in the corner, second string leather company, hashtag crafted from the crease. Guys, they got a new product out, just released today. You ready for this? They have shaving balm there for you. Oh yeah, you want to smell? You won't smell like old leather pads, thank goodness, but you want to smell like you know what you're doing there and like a goaltender? Secondstringleather.com is the place to be to get your awesome stuff, including wallets, T-shirts, bathroom bags, all your cool stuff, coasters. You want it, you can get it at secondstringleather.com. So what do we got today? Well, we have a man online ready for us here in just a moment, but we also have a couple other guests. We have Sammy and Anthony from the Curfew Boys helping us get ready for the Montreal side of things. For this final series between the Habs and the Lightning. And right in the middle between our first guest today and the Curfew Boys, Peyton Turnage come back on the show here. He's going to be yelling about something. And also he'll help us out with Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadian Series. But before we get to all that, something we need to address right off the hop here. Last week, David Pasternak and his girlfriend, Rebecca, lost their newborn child. Our thoughts and prayers from all of us here at the Kula Show are with them and their family these very trying times. Please keep them in your thoughts here tonight. Obviously a huge tragedy. So let's get now to business. We got a lot today. We're going to end though before the game tonight. So don't think you have to watch all the way till 830. That's okay. We'll be done at eight o'clock Eastern time. So we are unobstructed on watching game one between the Habs and the Bolts tonight. So with that, I'm going to be joined now by a man that we've had before on this program. I believe this is his fourth time. I lose count these days with all the awesome guests that we have here on TKS. He is from the Hockey News. He is a genius when it comes to draft talk, prospect talk, and pretty much everything hockey. He writes for the Hockey News. He talks about the hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Stephen Ellis. Stephen, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. It's been a while. It's been since after the under-18s when you did such a great job on the commentary there. Oh, thank you. You know, I already have a bike pump over here to pump my own tires, but I appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks a lot. But, Stephen, let's, um, you know, what just came before we came on the air here, he's still talking right now, but Gary Bettman with his usual State of the League address, a couple things that he mentioned that were pretty substantial. Um, he addressed the officiating right away. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the actual playoff series and how the two teams that bowed out of the playoffs when we talk to them. 
But he did talk about the Olympics and outdoor games. A lot going on. Obviously, I mentioned next January 1st, the Minnesota-St. Louis Blues in Minnesota at Target Fields. That's going to happen. There is going to be a Tim Hortons Heritage Classic. Undecided on who the teams will be, but that's the plan for next year. And probably the big one, just because of the market that we have, and I'll probably talk to Peyton Turns about this, Nashville is going to host a stadium series game at some point next year. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the outdoor games, I know they get a lot of flack and I've given them quite a bit um, just for the fact that like the novelty is kind of uh, worn off, but it doesn't wear off when you get to host it. When the game is in your city and your team's involved, you love it because it's like a cool, unique event. Sure. It doesn't going to, it's not going to appeal to, I don't know, a Florida Panthers fan or a Dallas Stars fan who doesn't get to see their team in the game, but for fans of the team, they love it. It's a big festival, and I like what they're doing. So it's nice to see Nashville get that. That's pretty cool. Obviously, an incredible hockey town. They just love hockey there, and uh, hopefully they'll have a competitive team to kind of show up there. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll probably talk about that with Painters, like we said. That'll be coming up just past the bottom of the hour here on TKS here on 12 Out Sports. But the big one with the Olympics, Stephen, this is obviously a big deal because the players really want it. That was actually part of the re-signed CBA before the season started is that they want to go to the Olympics and they said the league said if it can happen absolutely Bettman pretty much gave the old lawyer answer saying that he isn't sure and he kind of pertained he didn't say it outright but he pertained to the fact that it may not be safe for the players to they to send the players over there and China right now yeah it's a little wonky but it still is a maybe a big loss for the NHL to not have their best players in the best the biggest Olympic and biggest sporting event in the world Absolutely. The NHL has invested a lot of uh, money and time into building hockey in China. And in reality, hockey in China is not doing so well. Um, obviously, the country's got a lot more other issues right now. But when it comes to their hockey team, it, it's going to be a bit of a disaster. If Canada had to play China, it would I would fully expect it to be over a 20-goal deficit if Canada tried at least 70% of the game. Um, yeah. When it comes to that, I, I was kind of on, like, I love the 2018 Olympics. I thought that was amazing. I thought it was still great hockey. We almost had a huge underdog story in Germany winning gold. In the end, Russia did. Uh, I, so I'm fine if they don't send NHL players. But it's like, man, it just, we, we got so close. It sounded like it was going to happen. And plus, like, we got the opportunity now where we could see, like, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon on the same team, playing a team against like Patrick or um, Patrick Kane and, and Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews. Like, that sounds fun. That sounds really cool that I feel like we are getting closer to missing that. The fact that we don't have confirmation at this point, I think does send a good message. Um, but at the same time, it, it logistically, it there's a lot more than just travel or TV in this situation. It's obviously coming at a time where, well, I guess travel is a huge portion of it, but because right. like we're coming out of a pandemic and uh, we're not going to be fully 100% at that point anyway. So there will definitely be those concerns. I hope they find a way to make it work. But at the same time, like we're seeing how hard it is to get the 2020 Olympics yeah. uh, ahead this year. Uh, 2022 next year, like I, I think we're still going to get the challenges. It's not that far away. That's the thing where we're getting soon. It's going to be the qualifications for, for the, the final spots of the men's hockey and the women's hockey. And then, of course, these the other sports you got to worry about, too. And there's a lot still that has to go into it. It would be a total sham, though, if we don't get NHLers. Because I feel like if, if it truly feels like forever ago. But in reality, it'll be just an eight-year span since the last time we saw it. You know, this is something I thought about kind of, well, I was watching, because I've been covering a lot of the Olympic trials. And I'll be doing the Olympics for a publication I write for here in Michigan. And I said to myself, I'm like, you know, I think you know, leagues that aren't sure about sending players over, you know, the NHL, IE, if they're going to probably watch and see how it goes in Tokyo. Now, yes, China and Japan are two different countries, but in terms of how they treat the athletes and how 
you know, are the athletes come out healthy? Is there anything that's going to happen in the Olympic Village that, you know, the NHL player, NHL is going to have to worry about with their players going over there and then, you know, not having been able to come back because they could get sick again or something bad could happen. So they're probably going to just wait and see how it goes here. And then they'll probably start moving the pieces if they really feel like it's necessary. But oh, go ahead, Stephen. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I actually, I do, I do think that that's probably kind of what the situation is going to be. It's, it's wait and see until after this Olympics, and then they go through with it. So it's it's going to be fun. I hope the Olympics happen. Now, yes, Olympics with not no NHLers, it was fun to watch. It was unique. Did it suck staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning? Yes, but that's no, another. No, it didn't. I changed my sleep schedule completely. It was great. I'll say this. I woke up at midnight to watch the U.S.-Canada gold medal game, the uh, women's gold medal game, and I'll tell you right now, I stayed up at 3 o'clock in the morning for a shootout for a championship game, Stephen. Listen, we've gone over shootouts before. Shootouts in a gold medal. You need more of them. Every game needs to be decided for shootouts. Even 6 nothing games, dude. Listen, penalty kicks in the Euro is one thing, Stephen. A gold medal game is something different. Yeah, we need it. We need it. It's a, it's a great way of ending the game. No one hates it. I think it's really popular among every all hockey fans, no matter what. You know what? I think they should do a screw. We're going to do a full skills competition style. The first event's going to be hardest shot, all right? And then the second one's going to be fastest skater. If it's tied after that, then you can get a shootout. You get a breakaway really after that. There you go. Yeah, we're going to get much quicker. We can get through way more games in a day if we all just – every game was just a shootout only. Just skip out. Just skip overtime. Just overtime. What? Who cares about this three-on-three? Three, so. skip, skip 60 minutes. Just do just a shootout. Just see who wins in five-minute intervals and just keep playing like – do like 10 a day. You, you know what, Stephen? We make, we're making some headway here. I'm not – maybe not at the regular season games or whatever and all that. I'm saying this. The teams that finish at the bottom of the league, the tankers, the five teams, do like a – have like a skills competition. Whoever wins the skills comp – gets the first pick oh i bet you that would not go over so well at all whatsoever but i think it'd be hilarious i'm sorry that buffalo is going to lose because they don't want to give their best player the right medical treatment but that's neither here nor there what would the ufas do what would the pending ufas do on these crappy teams would they even try in the shootout because not that they care right okay fine if you want to leave the ufas out so you don't have to worry about any finagling or any shaving or whatever and you know steven since we do have you here like i mentioned you are a draft expert you do a lot for the hockey news they're covering the draft I said something a couple weeks back that some people retweeted at me and texted me and said, what the hell are you thinking? I said that because Owen Power came out on NHL Now a few weeks back saying that he didn't want to play, or excuse me, he wanted to go back to college. So that he's going to want to go back to Michigan. And my little tinfoil hat was on during the show. And I said, what if he doesn't want to play for Buffalo? What if it's just? What if it's not a thing where he d- wants to go back to college? He just doesn't want to play for the Sabers. If when I say that, Stephen, what goes through your head? I get your thinking. In reality, you're not drafting for how good of a player you're going to get the next year or two. So I don't think Buffalo is swayed no matter what. I think even even if he doesn't want to go there, I don't think if the, if Buffalo likes him as the best player. I don't think it's going to be like the OHL where the player just refuses to go. Like it, I think it's going to sh- like. I think it's going to work out. Um, the thing about Buffalo is he's got an opportunity there. And we said this with Eichel. And we said this with Rasmus, Rasmus Dallin. At some point, you know, maybe it'll work out. He's got an opportunity to be a leader there. Yeah. I still think it's a pretty interesting idea. Because once this team does figure things out, it's still a pretty good fan base. It's a crowd that loves loves their hockey and loves when they're successful. And we saw in their playoff runs about 10, 15 years ago that they were, you know, they had some really good fun, uh, fun and runs there. So... Uh, I don't agree with that, but at the same time, like it's not crazy either to think yeah. that that could possibly be the case. But like, I, I don't think yeah. Buffalo cares no matter what. I, I just remember I thought that, well, because I thought that because Trevor Lawrence 
for Clemson. He was going to be the number one pick, and he said, oh, I may save my senior year at Clemson. That was when the Jets were the last place team in the NFL. Jacksonville takes over. It's sunny Florida. Trevor Lawrence is going to the draft. That's where I that's where I kind of came from my mind. Like I said, tinfoil hats taken off for this program, Stephen, I promise you. I like it. So let's jump now to recent events here. We already have the final two teams getting ready to take on game one tonight, Tampa versus Montreal, eight o'clock puck drop Eastern time, five o'clock for you, all you folks out West. But let's quick talk about the two teams that are no longer there, the Islanders and the Vegas Golden Knights. Game seven on Friday, Stephen, was tense, but that's what game sevens are. But I still, you know what, after that game six win, Bovillia scores a game winner. I said to myself, you know what, Islanders, it's been real. Even though a lot of my folks, you know, a lot of my friends that were cheering for the Islanders thought they could pull it through. I'm like, you won the last game at Nassau. You're not going to win game seven in Tampa. And you know what, I the Islanders have nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, that's one where uh, I, di- I didn't get to see the game live. I had to listen to it on the radio live and then watched it later. And it was just as exciting on the radio as it was on TV. Who did um, you listen to? It was the Tampa Bay Radio Network. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm a Chris King fan. Maybe it's because I'm biased. We've had him on the show. I like Chris King, uh, the Islanders guy. But um, I know you're ta- I know you're talking about Tampa's guy. But anyways, continue. It's it's what it's whatever SiriusXM had. Oh, so I'm just, I'll, I'll I'll, I know the executive VP there. I'll give him a call here in a minute. Yeah, go, go drop the gloves. I'll live <laughs> on air. Um, yeah, the, so the Islanders, that was one where no one really expected them to win the series, but no one expected Montreal to beat Vegas either. Um, so for that, they put up a good fight. The problem was this was still a team that was missing one of its best players in Anders Lee, and um, a lot of the guys just really didn't show up in a big way. Like Jean-Gabriel Pajot was outstanding in the first two series and just was nowhere to be found in that series. And we talk about like, like Vegas, when that's been the one where it's like, well, where were those goal scorers? Well, the Islanders kind of had that same situation there. And let's not forget, they were not the better team in game six. They had a really good second half, and they really took advantage of some opportunities, but they were not the better team in that game. So it, when, it, when all said and done, you know, I, I got to be happy with the way the Islanders played. They, they're not... They're obviously not the most exciting team out there, but they're a team that works really well together. They got a good GM, they got a good coach, and they got really solid goaltending for the most part. Um, but the way they had to battle back after losing eight nothing, that that was a tough situation for them to be in. If they lost like three two in overtime, I think it's a different story. Because they lost eight nothing, it's like every moment then is do or die, and it's like you can't like you got to just completely change the way you play it, and that put them in a tough spot. They won, but in the end, it was enough. So good on the Islanders. But you're playing against a team everyone kind of expects to win the Stanley Cup. So it's yeah. going to be hard no matter what. Yeah, and I, I didn't look at the cap friendly numbers. I don't know if it was an 18 million difference between Carolina and Tampa that it was with I the Islanders. But I'll tell you what, the UFAs, there's a few guys are going to have to resign. I know Pelic's going to be one. That's going to be a big one. Sorokin's another. So, But if, if they can keep the right pieces there with Lou and Barry there, I think they'll be certainly a contender next year. The team that I thought, last week Nick Alberga thought, everyone else probably thought was coming out of the other semifinal was Vegas. They lose to the Montreal Canadiens. Now, yes, it is an upset by any stretch of the imagination, Stephen, but what happened to the Golden Knights? Was it they got goalie by Carey Price? It could be a point, but Mark Stone says he wasn't good enough. The team wasn't good enough. What was wrong with the supposed Stanley Cup favorite in this Final Four? Well, when thousands and thousands of thousands of people at home scored the same number of goals as pretty much the entire top six of the Vegas Golden Knights. That's not a good sign. Vegas really just did not look comfortable with those play- with their top players. And it's like, I don't think they knew what to do with when Montreal would take a lead. It's like, they just kind of like, uh-oh, like, we're used to leading these games. What's going on? And they just really didn't look good. This is a team that 
barely beat the Minnesota Wild, a team that really was kind of relying on like Cam Talbot and Kirill Kaprizov out there. They beat the Colorado Avalanche. That you know that one was a bit of a really good effort, and the Avalanche didn't look as good as they should have. But then you go and look at this, and this team just did not look comfortable. They they were not the better team for the majority of the series, and you'd expect that when one team wins, but one team barely squeaked into the playoffs, and the other team was a Stanley Cup contender from the from the start of the season. So, I, it, it just really the goaltending was solid. Defense wasn't the issue. Defense got a lot of goals. They just couldn't score from their offense. And the yeah, breaking news: you need goals to win hockey games, and that was just something really? the were getting. So Montreal just simply just shut them out. Simple as that. Like Carey Price deserves most of the attention, but Montreal's defense is playing so good, and obviously that penalty kill has been the best we've ever seen in Stanley Cup playoff history. So uh, there's just a lot of going really well for Montreal right now. 13 straight games, I knock on wood, without a power play goal given up by the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, we're still a little bit away from Seattle. By the way, one of the things Bettman mentioned is that ESPN, because he was talking about the new TV deals, ESPN is going to be hosting the expansion draft live on ESPN in the States, of course, up there in Canada. You guys, you know, have a little bit more better coverage and won't be posting pictures of Andrew Ferentz on your graphics, but that's not going <laughs> there. But uh, quick thing about this, you know, they have two goaltenders in Flurry and Robin Leonard, and obviously it worked. I mean, I would Leonard have been better in game five of that series. I don't know. Game six, Leonard, I think, looked good. Just unfortunately got hung out to dry in the game winner. Does Vegas protect both goaltenders or do they protect neither goaltender because they know one's going to get taken so they can protect more up front? Well, that's a good question. Um, here's the thing. I think regardless you protect Robin Leonard, is a team going to take a run? Is Seattle going to take a run at a 36-year-old goaltender coming off of an incredible season? Maybe. There's another. There's other options there that are a little younger. You can kind of work with. Um, so, I, I think Leonard's the guy you sign long term and the guy that you you want to keep. Uh, at the same time, you know, it wasn't the strongest year for Leonard. Uh, yeah, he he really bounced back after missing some time. But this is a guy who did still miss a lot of time and um, before that wasn't playing really well. Would he get picked up? Uh, that's a good question. Fleury, I think, has got a better shot of getting picked up. But at, at the same time, you got a good core there of guys you don't want to lose. And it, protecting multiple goalies is not the smartest thing when you can get other guys. So I do think if, if I'm making the choice, I think they expose Fleury. Um, if you're looking at a season, yeah, you would want to pick him up. But it's like it's kind of like Mark Giordano. It's like, how good is he going to be the Again. next year after a breakout season? Is he really going to be a star goaltender, or could they go for someone who's a little cheaper and, and kind of go from there and look at some free agent options? I don't know. Uh, Flurry in Vegas seems like a good mix, and obviously there, there's been rumors he won't come back, but it's like that's someone where the fans love him. He was the first star the team had. He was the first draft pick, first expansion first, draft pick. Yeah, so it, it's a pretty big deal. So I, I don't think he would want to – It'd be a shame to see him kind of go somewhere else, and you'd wonder how many more years left he would play because obviously he is older. But uh, this is someone where ideally both goalies stay, no matter what the circumstance is. But if if you got to go do the expansion draft and you got to give up, wait a minute, why are we talking about Vegas in the expansion draft? They're not even in the expansion draft. They they are about to say, are the is that right? Yeah, for I can please. Oh my gosh. We just wasted two minutes of the show today because I thought, oh lordy. Dang you, Vegas. See, they'll be fine. They'll, they're going to be in the finals again next year. Who cares? <laughs> Good Lord. I totally go to Steve with a great question. It sounded great. Unfortunately, our facts are wrong here. Uh, I completely just 
completely forgot myself. So. Good lordy. There was some entertaining TV. All right. There. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Sorry for the guests later on. Everyone just turned it off like, these guys aren't even right. Yeah, we're, we're all about fake news here on the Kula Show on 12 Out Sports. We're here with Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News here. So let's get to something that's actually factually true. Tampa <laughs> versus Montreal. It is happening. Are you sure? To, I'm 95% sure. They say it's on NBC Sports Network. They say it's on CBC in Canada. They say the puck drop's going to start a little after 8 o'clock. They say there's going to be an anthem. Who's singing it? I don't know. I'm not going to try to guess. Could be two anthems. It could be. Oh, you're right. Who's singing both? Well, they could sing both anthems, but you never know. Anyways, we do know one thing, though. This is factual. There's going to be increased capacity at the game down at Amelie. It sounds like it's going to be a little over 16,000. And you know what? I don't want to say I jinxed it or I inspired fans in Tampa there, Stephen, but when I had Nick Alberga on a couple weeks back, I said, you know what? Between Tampa and Nassau, Nassau sounds like it's an actual war zone where it sounds like a nice little coffee shop down there at Amelie Arena. Next game, they bring out the hand clappers and they go nuts for the rest of the series. <laughs> it's definitely a way of putting it. Yeah, uh, I gotta love the the atmosphere though. Every time the, the uh, Tampa plays, like that's a that's a passionate fan base. That yeah, maybe for a couple of years kind of teetered off after the, they won their last Stanley Cup, but uh, in two thousand four. But then they came back and clearly they love their team and they got a really good group to love right now. And uh, I, I'm really fortunate. I'm going to Montreal for the three games out there, and it's it, I haven't been to a hockey game since. Uh, March 10th, 2020. So it'd be nice to get back out to that. And obviously in Montreal, it'd be cool. But I really hope we get some news on a, a expanded fans there because the 3,500 or whatever it is, not exactly a lot. But for Tampa Bay, it's going to feel like old times. And I'm really excited for them because last year they didn't get the chance to to witness the Stanley Cup in person. Right. Now they've got that opportunity. I'm really excited for the people out there. Montreal did put out a statement today that they're actively trying to see if they can bump that up, which is good to see. Now, here's the question, Stephen. Can you disclose how you're going to go to those games in Montreal? Is that with, with THN or was that on It your is own? with Hockey News, yeah. Okay. I was about to say, I'm like, holy cow, because I saw the ticket price in Montreal, the cheapest. Did you see it? I'm not buying a ticket. It was over five grand for the cheapest ticket in Montreal. Now, that could have been off a website or whatever. There was a bot selling it. But I'm telling you, people are going to pay a crap ton of money for that. Like, could, like I swear, I could never go to a Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup final game simply because of the fact I don't have a 401k or nine grand to spend. So, I mean, that's that's how bad it is. I know people that, like, I know I know one person personally who bought a ticket for the game three who I know can't afford it. So I'm interested to see how that works out. That's an expensive ticket for no for anybody. I wonder how many, now this is a legit question, how many loan applications have been going on at banks around Quebec to see if the people can get like a few thousand dollar loan to pay back just so they can get a ticket, a personal loan. They're going to still get eight nothing game or something. That's going to like, Worse. You know what? They can put that ticket up on the board. So that's the game I went to when the Habs got smacked by Tampa. I, I got to say this. I, 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 I hate overvaluing or getting too excited about any hockey game because just the nature of hockey and the nature of sports with so many games going on here, there's a very good chance you'll get completely disappointed if you hype yourself up too much. And I, I'm definitely worried about that in the playoffs, the prices that people are going to be paying for this. Oh. But you know what? Again, to a lot of people, this is this is the one chance they've been waiting for for decades to be able to see the Montreal Canadiens play here. They That's have that opportunity. Yeah, you want to make it happen because hey, it's been twenty eight years. So 
Why not try to have a chance to see history? I was doing nothing 28 years ago. I was not alive. Neither was I. Yeah, we we're, we're, we just say, like, yeah, I remember that. I, hey, listen, I still, I, I may have been born in 95. Carrie Frazier's the worst ref in all time. That's all I'm going to say. I was, I'll say this. My my dad was a Leafs fan. My mom's a Habs fan. And they got married in 93. It looked like the Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Police were going to play each other in the final. Didn't happen. Would they have been married during the final? They, they got married a month before, no, two months before. Oh my gosh! How, so there's thought, a like, oh my gosh! This is gonna be awesome. We're gonna see these two teams be competitive for so long. <laughs> Not really. Oh, and, uh, thank you, yeah, Gretzky. Now, oh man, that's that's that'd be an incredible story. Because my wife, she's a Michigan State fan. I'm a Michigan fan. So once every three, once every year. Because hockey, she doesn't. You know, college hockey, Michigan beats State all the time. Football, though, that's the one day of the year we are not. Tech, we're married. But not emotionally. Um, <laughs> before I let you go here, Stephen, we got Peyton Turns just coming around the block here at the bottom of the hour. But let's talk. Let's give you a take on this series. Tampa, they are the defending champs. They have Andre Vasilevsky. They have Stamkos Kucherov with a rib injury that he says is fine. But let's be honest, just being a hockey player, being a hockey player. Montreal is just knocking on wood. Seem like this team of destiny. Who wins? How do they win? In my mind, I'm going Tampa Bay in six games, and I'm going to say it's going to be 2-2, and then Tampa wins the next two games. Officially, what I put down for our Hockey News preview, Montreal in seven. It's also a number I put in every hockey pool I'm in right now. Really? Uh, I, I think that Montreal's afraid of nothing. And when you get to that situation, you just... You, Montreal's got... like Tampa Bay, obviously, they got nothing to lose. They've already won the Stanley Cup. But they know how to do this. Montreal is completely green. They're going in just like, yeehaw, let's full attack no matter what. I think they're going to have a fun time. Uh, I think it's going to be a very competitive series. Montreal, when they when they take a lead, they don't really lose it. There, there was that one game where Montreal, they, they I believe it was game five. Montreal did kind of game four, game five. Game four. Four against where, Vegas, uh, yeah. It, it feels like three months ago. Uh, <laughs> when Montreal did go out there and it looked like they were going to win the series uh, or win game game five, for again, whatever game. Uh, let's go to Vegas is in the expansion happen. draft. That's all we know. Whatever, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they will be giving up players. Um, but they were able to kind of bounce back in a big way. Montreal does not give up many leads. They do not. They 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 just seem to be playing really good hockey right now. I'm going to go with them just because I think. Yeah, let's be bold. Why not? Yeah. I, well. Yeah. Because they are 11 and two when they had the lead or they score first, which tells you of the seven. If this, yeah, the 17 games they've played in this postseason, they have scored 7, 11, yeah, 17 games. They have scored 13 times first. That just shows Montreal's method is get after it, don't hold up. Because that's what we saw in that first game against Vegas. They came out hard the first 15 minutes. They didn't score. Vegas ended up winning 4-1. to one. But the rest, of that, like, that's their MO. Their one win was game three when Nicholas Waugh scored first for the Vegas Gold Knights. That's the one win they've had of the four games that they have not scored first. So Montreal knows how important it is. And obviously, a win in game one in Tampa, break home ice advantage, that would not be the worst thing for Le Habitant. No, not at all. I will say this. If Montreal Canadiens, uh, if you guys are listening to this, and I know you guys definitely are, uh, start selling jerseys with YOLO on the back because that oh, is basically God. Montreal's motto this No, year. you can't now. Not anymore. Not after that. We got YOLO, YOLO 69 in the back of your sweaters, guys. That's what it's got to be. We are living in 2011, right? 2012? 20, it's 2012, 20, there's one and two. Depends on which way you want to look at it. <laughs> YOLO yeah. on the back of a sweater. Don't actually do that, Montreal Canadiens. That'd be really stupid. But it's almost like that's kind of what the Montreal's playoffs have been. 
all of a sudden, the fanatic site's been broken down because Stephen Ellis suggested a crazy idea. Good Lord. <laughs> I will say that I would not be sh- surprised because I've seen some pretty dumb ones. I've never seen y'all on a hockey sweater, and I hope today, at least for a few more days, until the offseason, maybe when people get a little bit loopy without hockey, maybe then. Right now, be a little weirded out. <laughs> but, I kind of hope we just don't see that at all. Let's just go with that. There, we'll both. Well, yeah, you brought it up, Stephen. It's going to happen now. It's totally oh, going to happen. It's a good idea. We're full of ideas here on the Kula Show. We never said they were good. We have been chatting with Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News. Follow him at Stephen Ellis THN. Follow the Hockey News at the Hockey News on Twitter and Instagram. Stephen, thanks again, man, for jumping on the show. As always, it's always fun to chat with you about hockey. Enjoy the finals, and we'll definitely talk to you closer to the draft. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with more of the Kula Show and Peyton Turnage right after this. And welcome, everyone, back to the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. The insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, here back with you. We're going to be having a little bit of talk today about some great news in Southern hockey. We mentioned it with Stephen Ellis off the top with the Gary Bettman State of the League address before tonight's Game 1 can sound like a finals between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. So with that, we're going to bring in our guest. He is a member of the Five Timers Club. I'm pretty sure he's an unofficially in a second associate captain, along with Harrison Watt. Thomas Biondo, of course, who we saw last Thursday, is the captain of the Five Timers Club. He is our resident Nashville Predators analyst and Southern hockey extraordinaire himself. He is a free agent broadcaster. He is a, as he put it himself before this show, oh, unemployed trash. He is none other than Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how are you doing today, man? Stephen Ellis from the Hockey News, and now and now here's Peyton Turnage, unemployed trash. So, <laughs> well, you you about. told me, hey Peyton, I like to be very kind to the guests, and you know, what if they need something, and you and you asked me to put you on there as unemployed trash. The title doesn't say that on Twelve Ounce Sports, God bless it, but you told me, and I, God forbid, I actually abide by what people ask me to do. Now, unemployed trash will uh, will really get the point across. I appreciate free agent broadcasters, so I'll, I'll go with that. Free agent, yeah, because Peyton Turns, by the way, is a free agent. Don't ask why, kids, because we don't only have another 20-some-odd minutes before we get our next guest on, and the show is only going to go till 8 o'clock, and we'd probably be until 10 about that. But, Peyton, let's Although, go- uh, oh, although I was almost driven to announce my retirement, I was a little enraged about this little tournament I'm working, but uh, Peyton, I won't let you. Better. I will not let you. Things are better now. Things are better now. So That's good. I'm, 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 I'm just a little bit angry, but uh, a lot better than I was earlier. A little bit, not a lot of it. Because you can't be a lot of it angry, Peyton, because of the awesome news that we heard just about, uh, I'd say a little less than an hour ago now, Gary Bettman making the announcement about the outdoor game situation for next year. Obviously, Minnesota-St. Louis will be the winter classic on New Year's Day. The Tim Hortons Heritage Classic will have a game next year. This team's not decided yet. It sounds like maybe Toronto because they've actually never played the Heritage Classic, but we'll have to wait and see about that. But the big one, a stadium series game down Peyton in Smashville. That is awesome news because... A market that I didn't think even when they played Dallas at the Cotton Bowl, I'm like, yeah, well, now Nashville won't get a game for a while, right? Well, Peyton, I was wrong. Yeah, it is quite surprising. But I guess the league saw how many, how many Nashville fans were in Dallas coming out in droves, and you heard them very clearly on TV, the the chants and whatnot. I mean, they came through pretty clear, and they, you know, they put on a good display. Now, of course, it was a terrible game that eventually led to the firing of Peter Laviolette, but... I guess the league was uh, pretty well impressed by that still. Yeah, and that's a big thing, too, because we've, you know, you and I have gone back and forth about it. The Southern hockey market, while sometimes people question it, it's there. It's people will show up 
in bunches and they will cheer. I'm like, listen, Nashville, the team itself this year, people are like, oh man, this team's not going to make the playoffs. But boy, those tickets that were sold in that series against Carolina sold like that. They were gone before you knew it and people made it clear. And heck, it almost helped the team win the series. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's what happens when you choke out hockey fans in Music City, when you don't allow them to, I mean, obviously for understandable purposes, I'm not one of those belligerent people, but. Uh, what you do know, you mean there's COVID? When, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when you lock the people out of the building and, you know, and then there's limited capacity, eventually you allow the fans back. Yeah, they're going to flood in. And we saw, you know, a great, playoff crowd almost to full capacity for what what could be allowed and uh you know on a personal side it was tough for me because this is the first year since i became a fan of the team that I wasn't you know able to go but you know nashville's built up quite a reputation over the last handful of years since they got the all-star game in 2016 uh the obviously i think the fan base was a lot uh, was still great even before that but that's when they really started getting national attention and this, the stanley cup final the year after that in 2017 and they've still got it four years later, even after after the team has kind of taken a dip, after they lost the Stanley Cup final. They still care about it. They're still passionate, and you got great, knowledgeable fans in Music City. Yeah, and this is, and you know, kind of dipping off of the of Nashville, moving over to Carolina. People always, you know, we, heck, even on this program, I joked about, my gosh, there's no Carolina Hurricanes fans there. Well, there always were. They just didn't want to pay big money to go watch the Hurricanes get slapped around by Washington or Tampa every other night. Now that they're good again, yes, they're back in that barn every single game. Heck, they probably would have been full capacity and almost overflowing had they made it past the second round, right, Peyton? Absolutely. And, you know, Carolina's fans, I think I might have mentioned this last time I was on your show, especially in that Washington series a couple of years ago, I've never seen a better standing ovation closing out a hockey game. You know, for the last five minutes of game six in that series, you had fans that, I mean, they did not let up, waving their towels, screaming the whole time. It's one of the better crowds I've ever seen in hockey, and, you know, you could even maybe even argue in sports. So very, very underrated Carolina. And, they, and like you said, they only get guff because they've been inconsistent. But here they are when, when the time comes to show up. Yeah, and Jeff Merrick likes to bring it back to this room. Whenever he talks about the fans in Carolina, he mentions Game 7 back in the 06 final against Edmonton, where literally, and I didn't see this, I don't think I saw this again, Peyton, until that series in 2017 between Pittsburgh and Nashville, where fans would literally stand the entire game. You'd Because, you know, traditional hockey fans, it's, you know, just sit here and there's a goal, hey, there's a goal, or oh, there's a big hit. But every other time it's like, all right, be quiet. Don't mention anything. Everything's okay. Don't say anything. Be quiet. Hey, you said nothing's happened. Keep it down over there. Where in Nashville and Carolina, it's like, wow! Icing call. Yeah! Like that's that, but that's the passion. That's why it's so much fun to either go to those games or even watch them on TV. Well, and I think helping out is, you know, how half the fans are drunk. So I, I think that's kind of right, beer price is cheaper know. down there at Bridgestone? Not at all. No. <laughs> an arm and a leg but you can always hit up the bars right beforehand so you got the bars right right, before, right. Uh, right beside the arena right out and there in broadway carolina, and in carolina you can ter- uh, tailgate in the parking lot like the whole outside is just a big giant parking lot where you can tailgate so i would say the uh, inebriation probably plays a little bit of a role in that Oh, you know, sometimes, you know what? Liquor gets you there quicker, right? That's exactly what you need. Ah. It's all it's fun to watch it and it's always fun to see. 
And, you know, one of the markets, and I said this with Stephen Ellis, and I kept harping on him. Now, granted, yes, they were taking on the New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum, which literally had the Islanders lost game six against Tampa, there would have been a riot and people would have torn that building down for the eventual contractors that were doing it anyways, because this is their last season. But the, the Amelie Arena atmosphere just improved because I don't know if fans just, it was a mixture of, you know, fans were in the conference finals or they realized, hey, we're competing with NASA. We need to be louder because Amelie Arena started off pretty quiet in the first couple of series. But as you know, it's a mixture of both, you know, getting deeper in the playoffs, but also more fans being in, you know, that, you know, even in Tampa, Peyton, you kind of see it. They get a little bit rowdy themselves. They have the coolest slogan for their fans. You know, naturally get the seventh man Columbus. You befuddingly have the fifth line, but for Tampa, their tagline is we are the thunder. And quite often they are the thunder. Even uh, quite literally, they'll have thunder sticks, which are annoying as hell. But uh, that, yeah, I, I agree. I thought they were just a little bit um, lax at the beginning of the series, but then they realized, okay, we really got to will this team to victory. There's there's something to go with home ice advantage, and that's a fan base doesn't quite have a reputation. But I mean, heck, you got the best team and the best goalie in the world playing in front of you, so you're back in the final again. So you better step it up, Tampa. But they should be yelling and screaming whenever you see your team because heck you paid a lot of good money i mean unless tickets are cheaper down Tampa. i know they're cheaper down at sunrise with the panthers but i don't know about tampa anymore but regardless you know the tampa bay lightning entered this series peyton as the favorites now yes it's because they're taking on montreal who had the least amount of points out of any team that entered the playoffs albeit even though they beat the vegas golden knights but tampa they're the defending champs they have all the talent and they have a bunch of the returning guys this team is deep from top to bottom. And, you know, you saw them a lot when they played the Predators this year. As I quickly look at their the hockey reference, they went 5-2 and two against Nashville this season. The one of the Nashville wins was actually the last game they played against Tampa. That was the 7-2 to two win for the Preds. But you got to see them a lot this year when they played Nashville. What makes Tampa just so good? And I'm going to challenge you to try to say not what everyone else says about Tampa. It's almost impossible, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Peyton. They're just the top team, top to bottom. They have the best depth. They've got absolute snipers on their top two lines, and then the absolute uh, greediness with skill, a great mix in their bottom half. They are excellent top to bottom. They have the best goalie in the world. They have the best defenseman in the world, and one could argue the best sniper in the world uh, with Nikita Kucherov. So, and they have the best power play. Uh that's hard to beat, you know, in a seven-game series. But here we are, you know, about to play Montreal, who has been, I mean, just, have we ever seen a team like this Montreal team, such an underdog, the immovable object, now taking on the unstoppable force? You know, Peyton, I'm going to say this, and I wonder if you're going to contradict me or not. One team that comes to mind is the 2012 LA Kings. They were the eighth seed, but they were the hottest team in hockey going in. But... The 2017 Nashville Predators. Does that not? They were the second wild card. They were not. They were the second wild card that year, right? In yeah, t- yeah. Uh, it's top uh, top ranked Chicago. Yep, and they went through and beat everybody to get to the finals. Fell short. Now, granted, there was a quick whistle in Game Six, but I'm not talking about that anymore. But 
that doesn't that give you a little bit of a similarity though a team that was you know talented that had talent but eh, they're a little underproven they have a good goaltender decent you know pretty good defense but they're not going to beat chicago they're not going to make it all the way to they're not going to do all no but they did does that not kind of seem a little bit similar to you peyton I would honestly say this Montreal team is actually better on paper than the 2017 Nashville Predators. Not so much their defense. Pecorino was on top of his game at the time, but it's hard to beat peak uh, Carey Price. Um, Up front, you know, this Montreal team, I think they're better than people give them credit for. When your fourth line has Eric Stoll and Corey Perry, you know, you're not doing so bad. Then you compare with the 2012 LA Kings, the only problem there is that they had Anze Kopitar, and I think they had Jeff Carter at the time, too. Yep. And they got him at Mike the deadline Richards. that year. Yeah, so my, and Mike Richards, so their center depth is way deeper than this Montreal team. It's funny, though. I listen, of course, you and I, we're both big Steve Dangle fans. I was listening to the SDP. Yep. Um, Deneau, Philip Deneau. Oh, yeah. He's not the most noticeable guy, but he's a top center in the way that he's just so good defensively that he doesn't have to put up the offensive numbers and right now as among current players there may not be a player like him but i think you know i'm kind of going all around the board here but oh that's fine that's good how does montreal get this far without cole caulfield my god what a spark plug that kid has been he is right now he's the most fun player to watch now, and does Toronto even does that series against Toronto even go seven if Caulfield starts the series? There is a question for you. He was just a spark plug that ignited the team. It was just that one extra piece, that speedy, skilled guy. Now, I don't think he scored in the Toronto series. No, but but he, but he was. But he that was his first playoff experience, right? I mean, that's that's I think the thing I look at in that. Yeah, he didn't have very much regular season experience leading up to that. I mean, he's basically been thrown to the wolves and has thrived in that role. I mean, it was only two months ago that he was in the playoffs for Wisconsin, maybe not even a full two months. So um, kudos to that guy. He has really, you know, galvanized the, the Montreal Canadiens. You think about Arturi Lekkinen returning to the lineup. You've possibly got Joel Armia coming back. You got the top-end skill, and you got the depth, guys. I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat Tampa. We've counted out Montreal every round in this series, and we've been proven wrong time and time again. You know, they choked off one of the best teams recently when the Vegas Golden Knights, and again, Vegas kind of choked themselves because they didn't really shore up their center depth. But here we are. And, you know, this is a team that we nobody could have figured could get this far and you, can't, and you can't count them out. You just can't, even against Tampa. Even the best team in the world with the best goalie in the world, you still can't count them out. I still say this. the fact For the Vegas Golden Knights, and I won't go too far into this because this is more of an offseason thing when I break down all the teams, but when Chandler Stevenson being out of the lineup hurts your team detrimentally, and I, he's a good player. I'm not going to knock him there, but that's a problem. <laughs> when Chandler Stevenson's out of the lineup and your team can't function properly, and that's that's a thing that needs to be addressed. But yeah, Vegas they were they had it rough, but it just seemed like with Montreal, the way they play, they play so confidently. We mentioned Stephen Ellis; they're eleven and two when they score first, which means majority of the games in this postseason. And I look back at the numbers; I didn't have the exact stat in front of me, but they actually 
scored first in the majority of their games in the regular season as well. This team comes at you hard. They come at you fast. They don't want you to get in the game because when you do, when the other team gets, you know, they get a groove on, Montreal is not as good as chasing the game as they are holding the game. And what do you call a team like that? Good. <laughs> a juggernaut. No, no, you, you Chris Johnston person, you. How dare you, Peyton Turnage? Ah. Uh, Great. Now, no, nope, uh, it's over now. Why are we even going to the show? See you guys. Series is over. Toodaloo. Well, and, and that's why I really wanted them to play the New York Islanders. I know a lot of fans didn't because it's technically the two boring teams playing each other. Well, those are two teams that play a hard defensive style, and it's just interesting to see who would have been the better of the two out of that. But again, now we have, like I've said before, the unstoppable force in Tampa and the immovable object in Montreal. Just personally, I'm just I'm so sick of Tampa. I don't want them to win. I hate you know, I hate being biased, but man, I'm sick of Tampa winning. I'm ready for some new blood, which, I mean. Certainly not new blood with Montreal possibly winning their 25th championship, but uh, just be nice to see. In, and in our lifetime, Peyton, in our lifetime, it's a new in the new blood. Absolutely, they were born. They won their cup like two weeks before I was born. Damn, I know you and Stephen were discussing that. So. We we weren't even alive, so we were. I was trying to kick my way out of the room, out of the womb. When, I need uh, to watch the last food. Canadian team win a cup. Bah! Come on, mom, let's hurry this thing up. I guess it technically means my birth team is the New York Rangers, but ah, eh. oh, well, I mean there 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 are worse things, right, than a team that hasn't won since '94. There you go. So you're in the middle of two droughts. You're either the Canadians winning or the Canadian team winning the Stanley Cup, or the Rangers. The still probably one of the, despite maybe not being the best team on the ice, still one of the most prolific franchises in all of sport, winning in almost over in two decades as well. I this now. It, now, I wonder, you say, mention how you're bored of Tampa. Man, is it just me, or am I getting sick of Vegas too early of being good? Because, like, if I saw Vegas and Tampa, I'd still watch the series. And I'm like, I don't care for either of these teams winning. Just because, is, is Vegas getting annoying, or am I just a salty old man waiting to burst out? They were getting annoying the first year with their... <laughs> can, I, can I use the D word, the D-O-U word? The D or the D or uh, sure. I'm pretty sure won't get kicked off by the FCC today. Their douchey Twitter account. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. You can say that. Heck, they say it. I saw a commercial about a douchebag on the on the on the game the other night. Now, granted, it was an actual douchebag, but you know. Oh, it wasn't like uh, Matthew McConaughey or something. No, no, no. Wasn't that bad? But no, um, no. I I will say this. When that happened, Peyton, because we got a few minutes here, luckily. It was funny because I remember I said to myself, this is the most ECHL Twitter thing I've ever seen in my life. But yet, it caught on. And then, unfortunately, every other Twitter started to do, not say do the exact same thing, but they started to get creative or do something different. It wasn't goal scored by Ryan Ellis at the 13-12. Like, you see every single, like, college SID intern post for an NCAA game. It's like, the bad guys just scored a goal halfway through the third period. Send us puppy picks. Like, everyone wants to do it now. Wild Bill and was it? they had the lineup, but it was all emojis. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. I, they did that. Someone, I forgot who tried to do it. Like, a minor league team did it, like, during their playoffs. Because I know the ECHL playoffs are still going on right now. And I saw that, and I'm like, 
I, dude, I barely even know any of your top players. I don't need to know who your third line center is. It's a snake emoji. Is his name Cobra Henderson? Like, what is that? <laughs> Constrictor. Christian Constrictor the second is our left winger on our second line. He's really been holding them down and choking the life out of the other team during this season. Which been our team then? Oh my goodness! Can you imagine if there was a team named the Boa Constrictors? Uh, if, give it time. That'll probably be the expansion team in twenty thirty six. If well, yeah, the, if Bora Bora ever had a team. But anyway, sorry. The yes, douchey but, Twitter account. They're like pyrotechnics. Their PA announcer is really annoying. They're uh, like casino jackpot sounds when they score a goal. Is really annoying. The how can castle. You pl- how can you play when that goes on though? Like you hear all the noises. Like how can you focus? You can hear that with your TV on mute. It's so damn loud. Right next to Pierre Maguire saying, and they just hit the jackpot. I can. Yeah. Okay. I get your quick opinion real quick. Oh, no. Uh, Stanley Cup announcer. Should it be John Forslund yes. instead of Kenny Albert? Yes. Because Kenny, because here's the thing. Johnny Forslund, I don't, because ESPN gets it the next few years. And I don't know if Root Sports and Disney, which is the parent company for ESPN, has that same kind of deal where they can allow regional broadcasters, i.e. Forslund, because he's going to be with Seattle next year, to let him go do the Stanley Cup final. This may be Forslund's one and only shot to do the finals because Kenny Albert's going to be doing it for TNT. There's no question about that when they get the finals for the three years. And ESPN is probably going to shove John Butchergrass down our throat because Gary Thorne won't want to do it for the right amount of money. And so if we can get Forslund to do it this year, I'll be okay with it. Oh, Gary Thorne. Man, that would have been great. I know it's not going to happen. Well, he's not working for Baltimore. I know that. So I wonder if if that does happen. Because I haven't heard who's saying the bro- – I don't know. I We'll find out tonight in a little over an hour. I'm pretty sure it's already been posted somewhere who's calling the game. I, I think it's Forrest. I don't see why it wouldn't be. It'll be- uh, it's, it's Kenny Albert. Really? It is Albert with, with Olchick and Boucher. Okay, Boucher. I'm about to say, like, oh, thank God. I'm about to say, please don't. Now, granted, we would see the live execution of Pierre Maguire on the air if John Forslund had to do one more series with that man. Let's be honest. We'll say it. It was a good trade-off having a deal with Pierre, and you, but you had Joe Micheletti kind of bounce, balancing it out. I know uh, old Pat would be proud, but oh yeah. But I oh man, I every every single time Pierre said, "My God, it's Joe! Look at that play there, Joe! Wasn't that a great play, Johnny? Let me tell you right now." Okay, that's great, Pierre. You're the guy supposed to be talking. Say what you want to say. And Johnny did not put up with Pierre's BS all year long. Gosh, John Forslund. I I really hope, because that guy, he's got a great voice, and he's wonderful, and it's it's a bummer that he doesn't get the chance. Because I don't, like I said, unless there's a deal that's different that we find out later on next year working with, because that's going to be, like I said, Root Sports is going to be broadcasting the Seattle games. If they can get a deal with that, that Johnny had when he was in Carolina, where he could do both, the local games and the national games for either TNT or ESPN because ESPN needs people. Oh my gosh, they need people. And I'm not just saying because of Butcher Cross. It's because of also the fact that they only have, like Steve Levy's like the only other guy there. Now, granted, yes, they did hire Leah Hextall, which is awesome, but you need more people because if you're going to be broadcast as many games as you want to, you need a lot, of, you need a wide talent pool. So maybe that's just my broadcaster analytic coming or analysis not coming out of me, but I feel like you need more. So I feel like Disney's got enough money to make that sort of thing happen. Disney Plus is kind of popular, Peyton, if you don't know. 
It would be kind of cool with um, – now, this is me being a biased Preds fan. It would be kind of neat to hear Willie Donick, the Preds TV announcer on the national stage. He actually does have an ESPN affiliation with the 102.5, the game station here in Nashville. Right. Uh, both he and Chris Mason are – they're made for TV, so that'd be great to. Uh, I think they'd be great additions for the national stage. Will it happen? Probably not. Yeah. And for Forsland, oh man, he's going to have his hands tied. You know, that's that's a lot of travel coming out of Seattle, but because they're going to yeah, want we, they're because they're going to want East Coast games. They're going to want prime time seven eight o'clock games. Not all right. We're here in LA. Your Wednesday night hockey night here on ESPN. Los Angeles versus San Jose for the sixth week in a row. Wednesday night rivalry. Don't you start. I knew you were going to say that. As soon as I said Wednesday night, I'm like, here comes rivalry night all over again. The Arizona Coyotes and New York Rangers. Wednesday night rivalry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I forgot to ask about Connor Garland because there's issues with Arizona with, um, I guess, apparently their agent, Connor Garland's agent has not received any notification that the offer or the money that Connor Garland wants in his next contract has been received by Arizona management, which, as we have learned this over this course of this season uh they're kind of interesting peyton and not in the good way but they're a family they're a family god bless the family <laughs> god bless the family uh, uh where are we trying to lean at here is you think uh they're gonna trade garland is he does he have it is his contract up what's, I, what's going on with Connor Garland? i believe his contract's up they want it they asked for it, and they haven't heard anything back yet so but that'll be something definitely for the offseason, maybe next on Thursday, because we only have one series to talk about. Probably dive into it a little bit on Thursday as well. But Peyton, as they say, all things must come to an end, at least for this time. We'll definitely have Peyton Turner John again to talk Nashville. And maybe we get more folks from Smashville. Maybe we'll get Peyton's good buddy John Jensen on the show. Won't that be something there, Peyton? Uh, he will definitely tell you no. There's no, there's absolutely no way. You okay. say that. Oh, I know. Trust me. I know the guy. I met him at his bachelor party. So, Oh, Lordy. That's how you meet a guy, at his bachelor party. That was the hockey's fun game, the Mikhail Granlund game against Calgary. That was a great night. That sounds like a fun night. We've been talking Peyton Turnage. Follow him, guys, at Peyton underscore Turnage on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. And if you know a team that needs a broadcaster, free agent broadcaster, Peyton Turnage, give him a call. Or if you need an information, yeah, just, just DM him on his Twitter. Slide into his DMs. Peyton, thanks again for taking the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Go Habs. Go Habs. Go is what he says. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back with the Sammy and Anthony from the Curfew Boys right after this here on the Kula Show. And welcome back to the Kula Show, everyone. I am your host all the way over here on the right, Tyler Kuhl, the inside of the insiders. Joined now by two awesome guys out of Quebec, just outside Montreal. They are the Curfew Boys, an awesome podcast hey talking about all everything Montreal Canadiens. we got Anthony there in the middle, Sammy there on the far side. Gentlemen, how are we hey doing now. today? Oh, fantastic. Excited, pumped, nervous, anxious, maybe every single emotion you can possibly think of. Uh, it's, this is, it's nuts. This is absolutely crazy. It's numbness for me. Feeling nothing whatsoever. I've been not <laughs> trying to not think about the game tonight. Usually I started feeling the, the, the nerves right before, about an hour before, but you're distracting me with this podcast show, so we're good. Thank we're good. God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, God we're distracted. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about the weather. How about that? Let's focus on that. Keep you guys keep you guys oh at God. ease, right? How, yeah, how, I, I don't know. I don't know how the weather is back where you are right now, Tyler. Right now in, in Montreal, it's like 
30 degrees plus humid is it's another 10 degrees it's it's almost it feels like it's 40 degrees out here it feels Always. like it's 93 feels like 93 feels like 93 there you oh, go okay. thank right. well no All 40 right. 40's 86 i know that 40's 86 or no 30's 86 90 oh gosh i used to math and they also and they also won in 86 so there you go they won it yeah, feels like 93 86 <laughs> degrees no i tell you it's and we've actually had so we actually had a few tornadoes touchdown in Michigan over the past week. So we're 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 kind of recovering from that. I ninety four near Detroit's an absolute monsoon, so that's nice. Yeah, we 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 had one just uh, just the, the the northern areas outside of Montreal. There was actually a tornado for the first time. Uh, I at least since I since I've been around, it was the first time in uh, in, in, in uh, just northern Montreal. There was a tornado about uh, last week. Oh, jeez, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Tornadoes are, they're interesting. I, I have a friend of mine who went to the University of Nebraska where they get it all the time. And she'd tell me stories mm-hmm. like she's from Michigan, but she went to school out there. And she's like, yeah, it's weird. You know, first time I heard tornadoes on campus, everyone just went on about their business because apparently they happen all the time. It's where it's like for us, where it's like, it doesn't happen all the time. It's like, should we be concerned? That's it. I don't have a bunker. Like, should I make myself one? Like, is this, it doesn't look good out there. It's like the movie Twister. Just drive away from it. It's totally safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk about this, guys. Game one tonight, 8 o'clock, Montreal, Tampa. This is the first time these two teams have met in the postseason since 2015. That was the first, yeah. at least for this group, the first cup finals appearance for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was also the same year that Carey Price won the MVP, and he sh- yeah. Now you can get, correct me on this, guys. Anthony, should Carey Price have won it in 2016, even though he missed the entire year because it is called the most valuable player, and Carey Price was certainly the most valuable player for the Habs that season, even though he wasn't there. I mean, look, I think Carey Price by far is, I mean, no question, no doubt, best goalie in the league right now, uh, and has been for a really long time. Now, as for the MVP then or now. I mean, look, he proved himself multiple times. I think I think he deserved it then. He deserves it now. Maybe I'm being very biased because I'm a Habs fan, but he deserved it. And he carries everything on his shoulders every single year. So to answer your question, I think he deserved it then, and he deserves it again now. And Sam, I, I this entire regular season, I watched Carey Price – and I thought to myself, because we had Brian Mudrick on uh, from TSN early on when Tampa or Montreal was one of the top two teams in the division. Oh, yes, that changed shortly after that interview. But we were saying, like, man, Jake Allen's got better numbers. Maybe he's going to be the guy. He's going to do that Yarrow Halak thing where he takes over. But he said, no, it's going to be Carey Price. And then I had Kyle Bukoskis on right before the playoffs. And he said, mm-hmm. Montreal is going to go as far as Carey Price takes them. And here we are, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. There's absolutely no doubt the unsung hero for the Montreal Canadiens this season is definitely Jake Allen. If it wasn't for his efforts and what he did to the team while Carey Price was injured, I don't even know if the Canadiens make the playoffs. But this is the reason why Mark Bergevin went to get Jake Allen already because we knew it was going to be a much condensed season. This was he was Mark Bergevin was thinking this even before the Canadiens got caught with that whole COVID, and so their 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 season got even more condensed after that. But this is why. Bergman went against Jake Allen. It's it's someone to that could hold the fort aside from Carey Price. And as far as Jake Allen is concerned, he did his job as a backup goaltender and maybe even more. So a lot of thanks does go to Jake Allen. But you you gotta go with Carey Price in the playoffs. And 
the one specific footage I remember seeing that I said, okay, he really wants this now. There's a, a footage that, that was shown almost everywhere. In practice, Carey Price got scored on. Yep. And he took his stick and he slammed it up against the post. Now, majority of people were thinking, oh, no, this is not good. He's I, rattled, on other, yeah. I, on the other hand, was thinking, no, 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 he's serious and he means business. And ever since then, since since the puck drop of the first game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's been beyond outstanding. Again, I'll say bias, but he literally is playing like the best goaltender in the world right now. I truly believe he deserves MVP of the playoffs no matter what the end result is for this final round. He does not have the best save percentage or goals against average. Unfortunately, that does go to a guy by the name of Andre Vasilevsky, who is yeah. most likely going to win the best this year. Uh, much more deserving than he was when he was a candidate last year. But, you know, Carey Price, and it's it's good to talk to you guys about this because I don't know many Habs fans, unfortunately. I myself <laughs> am a, uh, a, a, I cheer for this team right here, this team that <laughs> doesn't play into May off. And even, oh my God. Trust me, we were, <laughs> we were so happy last year. They got to play past June, even though they were only in the qualifying round, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But <laughs> it's fun because I've, even though when I'm a, I'm a Leafs fan or whatever, and I used to love James Reimer, I'm a goaltender. I love Carey mm-hmm. Price. I love the mm-hmm. way he plays. I try to emulate it. Obviously, it didn't work out. I'm doing this now. But, <laughs> you know, Sammy, I'll start off with you. Where do you put Carey Price on the list of all-time Habs goaltenders? There's been a lot, but where do you think he stands? Whoa. Question. Don't worry, Anthony. Be, get ready. You're getting it, too. Be, I, I would put him up as number four. Uh, I hate saying this. Number four behind Jacques Plante. Yep. Behind Ken Dryden and behind Patrick Roy. I'm putting him behind those guys simply because those guys won multiple Stanley Cups within their career. Now, I understand hockey within those different decades was much different than what the game is now. But I think those three goaltenders deserve to have that that recognition. I mean, they already do. There's You just mentioned those names and everybody knows who they are, even if you're not a Habs fan. But I think in terms of the legacy within Montreal Canadian goaltenders, just because what those three goaltenders have done, they they deserve to get the top three. But Carey Price, he's he's right behind those guys. He He truly does. I think no matter what, how his career ends, I see his number getting put up in the rafters with those three goaltenders at the Bell Center. Anthony, he makes a really good point. I would put those three up there too. But I say this, because look at the team Jacques Plante had in front of him. Look at the Mm -hmm. team Kenny Dryden had in front of him. Patrick Waugh in 86 and 93, I think, had to do a little bit more work. But um, Carey Price, out of all the goaltenders that have been adored and loved by the Montreal fan base. Now, granted, at times they wanted his head. I know you guys are. That's just how, that's how he's been at times. But yep. out of, in terms of having to be the best goaltender because of the team in front of him may not have been as good as the opposition. Carey Price is up there in terms of the halves because of the fact that he had to do more to help his team win. But that that's where... I, I have a hard time answering this question um, because it is a tough question. And, and Sam brought up very good points with, you know, you can't take away recognition from Plant and, and Waugh and, and Dryden. You can't, but you just said it yourself, Tyler. You know, look what they had in front of him. And 
look what Price had in front of him since he started. He's been it's it since he came into the league, since he came to the team, he's been carrying the team on his shoulders from the beginning. Yeah. We went as far every single season, however far we went, because of him. And we didn't go further because we didn't have a team in front of him. This is a different year. Finally, Price has a team in front of him. Okay? Not not yeah. compared to what there was in 93 and 86 and in, in the past years, but he has support. So finally, Price can play carry Price and be the Price that we all believe in with a team in front of him. And that's why we're here today. So yeah. to answer the question, where do I put him? It, it It's the same question when you say who's the greatest of all time in all sports, right? You can't, yeah. and, and you can differentiate eras and leagues because everything is, is not comparable. Back then the game was slower, yeah. right? And the, t- and the game is faster now. Back then you can also say they had smaller pads and bigger nets and here they're bigger pads with smaller nets so you it's really hard to answer that question but overall i think carrie price compared to the past goalies has been doing a lot more because he didn't have a team in front of him and still showed the talent yeah even though let's be honest there's only a reason why george vesna has a trophy named after him but i digress i digress <laughs> but it's true it, it's it's so funny because i was talking uh with um with nick alberger from sportsnet 590 in toronto he's from montreal and we were talking about this this halves team and i'm like it just oozes 93 to me now granted i was born in 95 albeit but looking back at that team look what that team had a great goaltender patrick Waugh, former vesna guy at that point they had good young talent up and down the roster, but they also had veteran guys that helped lead this team. They had guys like Savard, who now granted didn't play much in the final, but you know what I mean. They had those. They had the mix of the old guys that people thought were way past their prime, but a mix of the younger guys that could contribute. That's why I'm like, is it just deja vu happening before our eyes, or history repeating itself? There, Sammy. I I'm I'm a big believer that history has a funny way of repeating itself. I'm I'm looking at a guy like Philip Dano, a sentiment like Philip Dano, playing a little bit to the best of my look. I I I was we were born in '88, so we don't remember '93. But it's all about knowing knowing the the history of the team, the legacy of certain players, even watching highlights. Philip Dano, right now, if you're to compare to a centerman that played in '93 and that winning team, he's Kind of like Guy Carbonell. I right knew you were going to say Carbonell. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's what I, I kept coming to my mind. Absolutely. And it's so funny how in one of our episodes at the beginning of the season, Anthony's probably going to remember this. Anthony actually said, further down the line, you need a player like Dano, like a Philip Dano on our team. It doesn't matter if he doesn't score the goals. And that point is actually being proven this entire playoff run for the Canadians. Philippe Dano is one of the reasons why the Canadians are allowing lesser goals than the opponents. And I, I think Ray Ferraro said this on TSN 690 here in Montreal. I, I don't know if it was him or if it was Aaron Ward. I'm, I'm going to go with, with Ray Ferraro. He said, the point of the playoffs is not to score more goals than your opponent, but it's to allow lesser goals than your opponent. And there's a big difference in that mentality and that's that's what I think Philip Dano is helping 
especially the big four on defense, the play that Philip Dano do, is doing defensively is helping guys like Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Ben Sherrod, and even Jeff Petrie. And, he, and the, the best thing about it is that we have a defensive-minded young centerman who's still providing offensively, and that's Nick Suzuki as well. So shades of 93 I, I i i think so you're seeing you're seeing a play like cardinal you might even see plays like 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 kirk Muller. you know oh yeah I, I don't know i cole caulfield right now i i can't think of a i can't remember of a specific player that that we can compare him to 93 but cole caulfield right now is just he just brought a whole new spark to this team ever since he got called up and it's just been unreal to see. It's fun. It's exciting, and I think I think Price is playing exactly like Patrick Roy is in '93. Oh, he's gonna is that's the big thing. You almost want to see if he can do the whole. I'm going to Disneyland at the end of that. That's I hope I'm, so. I hope so. That's what they're all hoping for. But <laughs> but Anthony, Sammy just made up a, put up a real big name there. We'll get to Caulfield here in a second. But Nick Suzuki. I remember when this kid was in junior in Owen Sound and then went to the Memorial Cup with Guelph. And I said to myself, this guy is really good. Can he play in the NHL, though? That, that was my question. And then when he got called up, and you know what? He did okay for you know, a little bit of part in his first year. Kind of got thrown to the wolves a little bit. But as these playoffs have progressed, he has turned into this offensive weapon with hands, speed, all that good stuff. But now is a guy that can also play in his own zone. And that for a guy that wants to play for a long time is a big thing. And especially, you know, for, you know, for Le Habitant going up against Mont or Vegas in that last series, they needed center depth. And Nick Suzuki provided that to get over that hump to make it here to the final. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Nick Suzuki uh, fan. And you know what? Like you said, he was throwing the wolves last year and you probably said it was probably too fast. I'll take that back because... Last year, he proved how much of a great player he was. And in that bubble, he was outstanding. Now, this year started, and, you know, all rookies had that sophomore season, that slump, that sophomore slump. And Nick Suki started off strong. The first 10 games, the whole team was was there. They were playing fantastic hockey. Nick Suzuki was like, okay, guys, no sophomore slump here. This guy is killing it. He was showing the moves, his hands, his speed, his goals. And then that slump started, right? He was invisible for a good part of the season. Yeah. Uh, and we were in most of our shows. We were saying, "Where is Nick Suzuki? Where is he? Like he has to come back, and he has to come back." And playoffs started, and he snapped out of it right on time. The guy is, and you said it. We finally have the centerman we were we've been looking for, and we finally have a player who can play offensive and defensive. And that's all coming from Nick Suzuki. And you can see how much of a great player this guy is. I think Vegas right now is watching this guy play and saying, shit, we made a big mistake here. And you know what? So many times, and Montreal, we've been struggling for years, going back to every draft pick and every trade we've made in the past and saying, fuck, we shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have done that. Why did we do this? We missed out on him. We missed out on that. Finally, teams are looking at us and saying, now we missed out. What does Nick Suzuki, Anderson, all these guys coming to the team right now to Foley. Look, Vancouver probably bit, you know, oh, freaked out at the I, beginning of this Bim season. Bim Jennings getting fired. Bim Jennings you know, lost his job. I, I, I don't so even know once, how he has a job anymore. 
for once we can say that teams are are now missing out on or regretting their trades to us compared to when we would say, oh, you know what, McDonough, Camel, we did that. Oh, why do we pick up Constantine instead of Benjamin in 2004? Oh my God, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Now people are saying, why do we get rid of Suzuki? Why do we get rid of the Foley? So well, I'm, I'm really happy. It's, it's crazy to think that the Canadians initially asked for Cody Glass in the trade. <laughs> These are the rumors. These are the rumors. Oh, first man wouldn't have a job right now. We'll give you, we'll give you Max Pacioretty. These are the rumors. We'll give you Max Pacioretty for Thomas Sitar, Cody Glass, and I believe it was that second round pick. Vegas said no. We'll give you Nick Suzuki instead. Those are the rumors. I want to believe them because, and that's well, why George McPhee doesn't have a job anymore. I that, well, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, no, Anthony brought up a good point. Actually, just to add to Anthony's point, Nick Suzuki actually started picking it up. Maybe within the last ten games of the regular season, yeah. But he really started picking it up when when he started playing with Cole Caulfield, and it shows those two right now have tremendous chemistry, and that's one of the big reasons why they have success so far. Yeah, he's he's been exceptional, and like I said, him with Cough, him with Cole Caulfield, and people are like, oh, Cole Caulfield, where this guy come from? He just won the Hobie Baker, guys. He's pretty good, but that's I mean, I, I do a little yeah. college hockey stuff, so I I kind of knew yeah. he had something. I was shocked it translated so quickly to the NHL, but hey, you know yeah, what? Kale I think all of us. Yeah. But um, the, we mentioned, you know, how GMs are going to be fired because they got fleeced out by Montreal of all teams. But Sammy, <laughs> Mark Bergevin, and someone said this to me. I forgot who said it. Could have been Albert. Could have been someone else. They talked about before game five in the Toronto series. Bergevin mm-hmm. was pacing like the most nervous man in the world because mm-hmm. there was – now, undisclosed rumors, more or less just a feeling that if Montreal lost that game, that he was going to be fired. But Montreal makes the comeback. He puts the red suit on in game five or game seven. They win game seven. They sweep Winnipeg. And now they're going to the finals. And I'm going to ask you, Sammy, I'll ask Anthony this question as well, because I asked the same question to Brian Mudrick early on before the Habs went on a slump. Is Bergevin safe now for a while? I'm going to say Yes. And then I heard something this morning. Oh, boy. Yeah, apparently during his press conference, he said, I'm just quoting here. He goes, in in French, he goes, if we win the Stanley Cup, I could could retire. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Now, now I'm wondering if he said it like, like, uh, like if he said it just like that as a joke. Either way, yes, I think his job is safe for now. There was the concern that, listen, he put this team together, but maybe they bit off more than they could chew because they were having the uh, quite a bit of a struggle, in at least in the middle of the season. But then we all remembered, like, look, the reason why he put this team together is because they can perform in the playoffs. And something that they haven't had in previous years. They haven't had big defensemen in the back end to help out Carey Price. They haven't had uh, a big power forward like Josh Anderson or even veteran experience like we'll add in Tyler Toffoli, but especially a guy like Corey Perry and then going and get a guy like Eric Stahl as well. The Canadians never had that going into the playoffs. Okay, so I think I think Bergevin knew what he was doing. I, I want to say maybe part of it is not luck, but, you know, the thank God for him, the team did rally together against the Maple Leafs because if, let's say, they didn't 
he believes maybe we would be having a different discussion right so it's it it's tough to, it's not that actually no i'm going to retract my my words it's not that it's tough to answer but i think it's safe to assume that yes his job is safe simply because what this roster that he put together was capable of doing and what they're doing right now yeah, because Anthony, I listen to Jeff Merrick on Hockey Central all the time, and he made a point a while back regarding the Leafs, and I think it pertains to the Habs too. Every game is like an entire season, where by that it means every, like how fans are, whether they're happy the team is good or they're bad based on every game. A team wins, everyone's great. The coach is great, players are great, general manager is going to work there forever. They lose a game, fire everybody and trade everybody. But right now, Pretty everyone's much. seemingly <laughs> happy that Bergevin, the moves that he made while seemingly on paper, maybe not the, you know, the blockbuster deals you like to see sometimes, but the little moves he made, getting to Foley, bringing in Edmondson, and just the little things here and there, like the pickup by stall, Corey Perry, putting him on taxi squad, albeit, but hey, you bring him yeah. in. Those little things, Anthony, really helped this hockey club. So <clears throat> this season started with all of us saying this is the make or break it season for, for Bergevin. Yeah. We all we were all surprised he was still here at the beginning of this season. Why? Because he's That's been true. promising the five year plan, and now it's more it's going to like eight nine years. And yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the start of the season, this five year plan. I mean, where what happened to it? Right? Why does and that have to be five all, years? Can't people just say like seven? Give us a weird number every so often, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. But he, because <laughs> because re, uh, re, rebuilding is is not allowed to in be Montreal. uttered in the, in the city of Montreal, especially within the organization of the Montreal Canadiens. Exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> so all the acquisitions he made, like you said, on paper, probably didn't seem like, oh, wow, now Blockbuster. But looking at the situation in the world with the pandemic and all, with the condensed season and the potential weeks off or two weeks off because of COVID, I think right now on paper, the smartest GM is Mark Bishopin. You know, acquiring a Jake Allen to be a backup to Carey Price in a condensed season, like Sam said at the beginning, the unsung hero here, because if it wasn't for Allen, I don't think we would be here today. Then you have our goal scorers like Toffoli and Anderson, who brought us, you know, even though we had that mid-season mid slump, those first 10, 12 games that we were on that winning streak and we were killing it was what brought us close and fight for the playoffs at the end. Because that slump in any other team, you know, you're you're far from the playoff spot. But yep. those games, because of the Toffoli's and the Andersons, brought us there. So you're looking at that. And then you have, you know, you pick up Perry. Like, why Perry? You know, we had that chance of getting him in 2004. Why do we get people after their prime? Well, guess what? I think Perry showed the world that he still has it in him. Oh, and absolutely. look at him in the playoffs. I mean, not, not only in the playoffs, he really brought us to where we are in the season, you know, putting up points, helping the third and fourth line, showing that experience in, in the dressing room. Then you go pick up Stahl, right? He had the first game, he comes to uh, he comes to Munchoff, first game, scores his first goal. Everybody's like, oh my God, time. what? <laughs> Best move ever. He's going to score 30 goals in 10 games, guys. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Stahl disappears <laughs> and everybody shat on, on this move. Why wait, hold on, hold on. You're, wait, you're, you're telling me, Anthony, that Eric Stahl stalled? Yes, he did. After game one. Thank you. Well done there. Well done. So after that game, he stalled. And uh, we all like, what the hell? What the worst trade in history? Mark Vision is getting fired. This and that. Look at what happened in the playoffs. Experience, 
veterans and he's putting up points and he's he's helping up the third and fourth line. So to answer your question, is he safe? I think he was safe entering the playoffs, right? Because of the acquisitions he made and where they brought them. But then you still have your hesitations, right? Right. But then when you're down 3-1 against the Leafs, if we would have lost game five, again, I would say maybe he his job was on the line. But coming to the Stanley Cup Finals with the team he built for this year, and it's, like you said, on paper, not the wild team, but on paper, the team to fight all these battles, right? So I think his job is safe. Now, like Sammy said, the, it's it's not a rumor, Sam. He actually did say it in the conference. I heard it. That if the, he wins, again, it could be a joke, but if he yeah, wins, that, he wants well, to it. retire. Yeah, I, I heard it too. Yeah, I if I'm going to win this thing, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. Yeah. And yeah, one it, thing, it, Sam, yeah. one more thing, and this is yeah. the conspiracy, Anthony. If you, if, oh, Tyler, you don't boy. know about this, but I'm Mr. Oh, conspiracy. I like my oh, tinfoil God. hat too. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Owen Power I, doesn't want to play for the Buffalo Sabres. That's why Owen Power is going back to college. But continue. <laughs> the, when, when, when the Montreal Canadiens were getting in that slump and we weren't sure what was going on, out of nowhere, Patrick Clark comes, gets his coaching agent to start coaching again in the NHL. And right there and then I said, something's fishy here. Something is fishy here. I think Loire wants to come back to the organization. And then I was like, well, you're stupid. Why would you say that? This and that. And then the Patrick Walk commercial with Trombley. Mm, you know, <laughs> after 28 years, they haven't spoken to each other after that 9-1-11-1 loss against Detroit Wedding Wings. And they go make a commercial mocking that game. Right there and then I called Sam and like, this commercial... There's a sign. There's a sign. So <laughs> be. if with, with, with Montreal Canadiens coming this far, I think Benjamin is safe. But if he does decide to retire, the well, stars look, align. I think well, Law just shows up. Well, look, it. I, I still find it a bit fishy that he uh, Benjamin does have one year left on his contract. And apparently contract extension talks were put on hold with Jeff Molson. That's a bit weird. So maybe maybe there is something within the works. Just real quick about Bergeron. I know we talk about the the player acquisitions that he made um, in the offseason and even towards the end of the season. I think we also need to look at certain moves he did in terms of, of, of uh, management and coaching positions. I think firing Claude Julien was the right thing to do at the time, even though it might not have seemed like it and i know ducharme ducharme came in kind of kind of guy out of the out of the frying pan and into the fire sort of so but i think it was a, it was a move that had to be done firing uh stefan wait and putting um oh my god brian burke sorry uh as the new coaching uh as a new goalie coach it's little moves like that oh, sean that, burke sean burke sean burke yeah did I say Brian? Burke? No, yes. sorry, not Brian. Burke. Yeah, Sean Burke. Yeah, not, not the All GM. Yeah. <laughs> I was Sean like, Burke, Brian, yeah. like he's a pit Oh, it's Sean Burke. Yep, I got the family name right. That's what counts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, it's just little moves like that that I think is the reason why Bergevin was nominated for that uh, GM of the Year award. Which, my humble biased opinion, I think he should have won. No disrespect to Lou Lamoriello. He's a genius. I truly, but he's also a wonderful mob boss. <laughs> You said it, not a. And careful, we're Italian too, huh? so. I am. <laughs> that's all good. No, I, I, I truly think Bergevin deserved the award, j- just because I, I, I think he did. 
I think I like to think that he did a lot more than Lou and the results show it. But like I said, Lou Lamariello, fantastic GM. Uh, congrats to him anyways. But uh, yeah, those uh, those are our takes on uh, our dear GM, Mark Bergevin. I tell you, it's he has been one of the most polarizing GMs, I think, in the league. And that's saying from a guy who literally watched Kyle Dubas get torn apart by everybody and then loved, and then now that they lost again, torn <laughs> apart again, within literally a two-month span of each other. Yep. But let's let's get to the, the more of the players here and the depth pieces that you guys keep talking about, how so important they are. And we mentioned a name earlier and a guy that I – is it confirmed yet? Is Yoel Aramia going to play tonight? I haven't seen he, – He's he's game time decision, but okay. he did he did make the trip via private jet after yesterday was announced that he wasn't. Yeah, which was strange. Strange. It was strange to all of us because when the Canadians were on that that uh, that that uh, isolation or call it a lockdown because of COVID, he was the player that was tested positive. Yeah. So the news breaking out that he has to he he's under COVID protocol again. We're all wondering like, well, how could that be? The guy already caught it the word is that he probably came into contact with someone that has symptoms or that might have might have had the virus but all that to say is very happy he's making the trip at least hopefully yeah. he's able to play because he is such a uh, an underrated piece of the team well I, I don't know if he's underrated I, I like things underrated but just because he's on the fourth line but having a big body like him in the lineup against Tampa Bay a guy that's not afraid to go in the corners, win the puck, and win the puck battles is able to create scoring chances. Him, Corey Perry, and Eric Stahl looked fantastic all during the entire playoffs. And they're, them providing the secondary scoring was was huge. It's huge for this team. And we need Army in the lineup. Now, if he's not in the lineup, Jake Evans is coming back after that, that hit. Against uh, up against that he got against uh, Mark Shifley. Yep. Our Ev- Evans again, not not as big as uh, as Army is, but he can provide speed on that fourth line. has has a very good uh, defensive sense on the ice. Is able to play both ends of the ice. So the, let's just say the news is is slightly better for the Montreal Canadiens uh, with with Armia making the trip. I keep trying to refresh the that's why I'm looking at my phone. I'm trying to refresh the Twitter seeing who says if he's on the ice or not cuz left wing lock and, yeah. and daily faceoff won't have anything yet. But okay. no nobody yet saying anything cuz I think warm-ups are about to start at I think 7:40. Yeah. So that's okay. when we will know if Yoel Armia is going to play tonight because you know Anthony you mentioned it, he's such a big player and he's a big part of the penalty kill as well, which is knock on yeah. wood one of the best I think we've ever seen. Now, whether mm-hmm. it's because, you know, some people said, oh, it's because Vegas was poor offensively, or it's because Winnipeg gave up all their stuff they had against Edmonton, or all this excuses. When you go 30 for 30 on your penalty kill and don't allow a power play goal in 13 straight games, Anthony, I don't care how bad the other team is. That means your PK has got to be doing something right. See, I, we keep hearing, and I think uh, one of our members said, uh, Chris in the last episode said it, you know, yeah. we keep hearing these excuses like these guys didn't show up like the Marners and the Matthews and no disrespect because you know, you're a Toronto fan, right? And then you hear the Shifleys and the Ellers <laughs> and, and these guys, no, he's not. No. <laughs> you know, they didn't show up, they didn't show up and it's no excuse for them. That's why they lost because these big names did not show up. Maybe they did show up, but our team was there to shut them down, right? So we keep hearing that and 
like you said, going 34-30 has, you got to give recognition somewhere. You can't keep saying the players didn't show up. If we're there, we shut you down. Right. And like you said, I think it's the best we've ever seen our, our special teams. I mean, our power play is still not the best, but it is better than what we had last year. It's, that's for it's, sure. It's, it was definitely better than what we saw during the regular season. Just to add to Anthony's point, the Canadians are 93.5% on the penalty kill. They're, they're first in the playoffs, whereas the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're 83%. Special teams, you know, in this series is going to be huge. When you have a penalty kill that's an FM radio station number, I think you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But, um, awesome. but, but yeah, Anthony, these, like, it's so important to have special teams, especially against this Tampa team. Now, yes, Nikita Kucherov went on, you know, was in an interview saying he wasn't hurt. Listen, I'm not the best at, you know, playing poker, but I could hold a poker face long enough to tell people I'm not hurt, even though every time I take a breath and my rib, my cracked rib that he probably has, it probably hurts. But even if Kucherov is not 100%, that power play for Tampa Bay is lethal. One of the best, I think it was over 37% coming into this series. How important is Montreal's penalty kill going to have to, like, I don't say change, but like to adapt quickly to not allow Tampa to get their offense going? Well, Montreal all season and pretty much every season, we had this conversation multiple times with our group of guys. Montreal never knows how to adapt, okay? They start off strong and then teams adapt to their gameplay and then we just fall apart. That's why every year Montreal is always the best October team in the league. They always say, okay, you know, we're going to get to the playoffs. We're going to win the Sunday Cup because the first 10 games, we show that we're like the best. And then we crash. Why? Because teams adapt and Montreal never keeps adapting. This year, same situation. It started off with, with, you know, playing strong and then teams adapted to our play and then we crashed. But come playoffs, whole different world. And we learned to adapt with Toronto. And then we went to play a team that's bigger and physical and we adapted there. Then we went to Vegas who has the speed and the physicalness. And guess what? We adapted there and we won all three seasons, uh, series. Exactly. Come Tampa, you're right. We need to adapt to their gameplay because Tampa is not Toronto. They're not uh, Winnipeg Jets and they're not Vegas. They're elite, they're powerful, and they have goaltending. So we need to adapt. And special teams, like you say, your question is how special, how important is special teams? Like Sammy said, it is very key this playoffs because both goalies are going to shine. Yep, you know, we yep. said last playoffs, last series where it was going to be Flurry against uh, Price. Nah, it wasn't because Flurry was on wasn't on his game. We shut him down. We got into his head. But this series, I think it's going to be a goalie matchup, and that's where you should take advantage of your special teams. You score that goal on a power play, and then you take make the goalies take care of the rest of the game. I think you're set because last thing, if Islanders can hold Tampa Bay down to a one nothing win or loss in game seven against powerful forwards, I think Montreal can do better. Yeah. But like you said, adapt and 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 be powerful on special teams. It's very key. And obviously for Montreal, scoring first is important because holy cow, yeah. eleven and two when they score yeah. first. Mm-hmm. And because Sammy, this is the point too, and I'll pertain to the second part of the question, but they've scored first consistently and this also happened during the regular season as well. Yeah. 
what do what do the Habs need to do to win this series? Because I'm not, I'm not saying everyone's counting them out. I mean, we just had Stephen Ellis on from the Hockey News start off the show. He picked in just about every pool that he's in, he picked Montreal in seven. But it still seems like everyone's saying, listen, Tampa's done it before. They know how to win. They don't have it in the bag, but they should be able to beat Montreal. But then again, Vegas should have been able to beat Montreal. Winnipeg should be able to beat Montreal. <laughs> Toronto should have been Montreal. Montreal should have been in the playoffs. Everyone's been counting them out. <laughs> But exactly. what do they need to do to prove everyone wrong again? Uh, um, there's, I think there's there's multiple factors, especially this series. First and foremost, I think I think the Canadians kind of have them where they want to because I want to say that all the pressure is on Tampa Bay. Supposed to be the better team. Defending Stanley Cup champions have a chance to do a repeat against since the Pittsburgh Penguins. So for stars, I truly believe all the pressure is on Tampa Bay. Yep. They really need to make a, they have to make a tough time, a miserable time for guys like Nikita Kucherov, for guys like Braden Point, for even Steven Stamkos. I think that's going to be like key. Like Shea Weber, Ben Sherratt, and even Joel Emson, and even Jeff Petrie, even though he's not as physical as those three, still a big body. He's able to dish out the big hits when he wants to. They got to make those three powerful forwards, they got to make their lives miserable. Okay. If they're anywhere close to Carey Price, Give them the, the legal shots here and there, you know. It's playoffs. Depends, everything's legal. <laughs> the depends who's refing. I mean, if it's Chris Lee, you can knock the guy out. You can, you can literally punch a guy in the face and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You can play within the next minute. There's, good, there's definitely going to be that. I think also players like Brandon Gallagher, Corey Perry, they have to really get into Vasilevsky's face. Vasilevsky is a solid goalie. Probably Crash the net. They really got to crash the net, exactly. They, especially Corey Perry, he's very good at doing that. Brendan Gallagher, his entire career was doing that. They got to make Vasilevsky's life difficult out there, too, because he's an exceptional goaltender as well. Carey Price, yes, I'm biased. He's number one. Vasilevsky is right there with him. So, like Anthony said, it is going to be a goaltender matchup of the ages. This is two Vesna goaltenders coming up against each other. I also think it's important, besides getting the first goal, if the Canadians could grab the first win in Tampa Bay, it'll increase their confidence even more. Yeah. Even if they don't, like, I know I know history shows that I, I believe the the team that wins game one in the finals, they had, the record was, I, I remember seeing real quick, it was like 60 wins and 27 losses. However, the last three Stanley Cup champions that won ended up losing game one in the, in the, in the cup finals. So, right. Listen, I would love for them to get game one because I truly think it's going to give them an even bigger boost of confidence. But I think it's for the Canadians to really stay with them. They need to take at least one game in Tampa Bay before coming back home up against Montreal. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, up uh, back home in Montreal. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's important. Breaking home ice advantage because that was huge in the Vegas yeah. series. Lost game one, yeah. but they came back in one game two. Uh, exactly. To your point about the refs, so World Hockey Report shared the uh, image of who they have. Chris Lee is not in. He's not yeah. there. But it's going to be Francis He's Strong. done for the playoffs. Correct. Yep. Him, Wes McCauley, which is still a big question mark. People still want to know what's going on because he hasn't refed, yeah. I think, since... I think he refed game one of one of the semifinals. Yes. But uh, Francis Chiron, uh, his second final. He was there last year. Gord Dwyer, this is his second final, first since 19. Eric Furlot, his first. He may be a little more as a fill-in. But the two uh, senior guys are going to have Dan O'Rourke and Kelly yeah. Sutherland. So yeah. 
a good crew for the most part. I prefer Macaulay over Sutherland, but like for I sure. said, there's so many question marks to that. By the way, big news. Elliot Friedman, good buddy Freeze, tweeted this out. Yoel Armia is taking warm-ups tonight for the Montreal Canadiens. So doesn't now I've seen guys like listen, I've been to Leafs games and NHL games where they have 30 guys take warm-ups, but yeah. they're probably just saying, like, hey, you're good to go because like you guys we like we talked about, Armia is such a big part of this hockey club. Anthony, last thing here, we got Sammy's take on this series. What do you think the Habs need to do in order, if they want to lift that silver jug for the 25th time, what do they need to do? What I've been saying all year. Uh, Score more goals than our team. Good out of talking. No, no. Uh, consistency. Yeah. They need to keep that consistency. They've been showing it since game five against the Leafs. All right. That's where the turning point was this year, this playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens. Game five. Since that point on, we were we've been showing consistency play on all levels: goaltending, defense, offense, special teams. Let's continue that. Um, that's it. I mean, we just need to keep playing the way we're playing. Don't change the game plan. Yes, adapt to how Tampa plays, but don't change your game plan. Um, and another thing: keep showing that character, that heart. Look. I, I, I strongly believe in character and heart over elite talent. That's oh, been something boy. I've been saying since the beginning. <laughs> you need I those character believe, guys. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a character guy. Yes, elite is important, but I believe character over elite. If And our team has it. You know, we were showing all that love, that heart in that dressing room. Um, just keep that up. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, that, that to answer your question, just... Show the consistency since Game Five Toronto. That's they, it. They, they they seem to have they're they're on a roll mentally more than than anything. They're on the same page. They all have the same amount of confidence. They don't have doubts because as soon as one player has doubt, I think that's where teams can 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 crash. They have belief and they got to keep that going with their play, like they showed since the start of the playoffs. And like Anthony said, they do that. We might see number twenty five banner hanging up at the Bell Center. It would it would be something. It's oh. it's gonna be a fun series now because it's Anthony's point. Talk about not having elite players. Ninety three. We mentioned it, Sam. I don't know how many guys were superstars, with the exception of Mister Patrick Waugh. That's it. Uh, let's, let's be honest here. We have been chatting here with at the Curfew Boys. Check them out, guys. Twitter and Instagram. You guys are doing after every game, right? Shows after every game. Right. Yes. Yeah, we, we we try our best. If it doesn't finish late, because we do have we do have other jobs aside from oh, the yeah. podcast that some of us have to wake up early the next morning. Yeah, if they don't finish late, uh, we we do our best to do a post game show after every after every game. If it's not like I said, yeah, if it's not too late, yeah, be sure. If not, if, yeah, yeah, if not, sorry, they they if if not, we we record them the 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 following night. Yeah, and we we release it the same night. See, that's the nice part about not having to play Vegas anymore. They're all 8 o'clock starts. There you I go. Thank, at least, yeah. thank God. <laughs> have two Atlantic Division teams play each other in the Stanley Cup Finals. It sounds like it's a college basketball tournament or something. Like I yep. said, guys, follow them at the Curfew Boys. They're on your favorite podcast. Right where you find us, Spotify, Google Podcasts, App Podcasts. That's where the Curfew Boys are as well. Get your awesome Canadians reactions and content and insight. Anthony, Sammy, thank you guys so much for t- joining me tonight on the show. Previewing the Stanley Cup Finals with the Montreal Canadiens for the first time in my lifetime. I get to see the Le Habitant in the final. Merci, boys. Thank you very much for having us. Appreciate it. All right, you guys have fun. We'll talk to you guys Take later. Take care, Tyler. Yes, sir. Take care, Tyler. That was Anthony and Sammy from the Curfew Boys. We'll see those guys later. 
And yep, just wrapping it up here on the Cule Show. Those guys are fun. I listen to them all the time. Actually, I got a shout out on their show because I blamed a goalie interference call for the reason why Claude Julien was fired. And I, they gave me a little bit there, a little bit of flack there on their show. They're awesome guys. Like I said, check them out. If you like hearing about Le Habitat, make sure you check them out there on your favorite podcatcher, which you can catch as well, like I said, with us. Because, you know, if you're just joining us here on the Cula Show, hey, Dad, nice to see you there in the YouTube chat. Make sure you also you can watch it the replay on the Cula Show YouTube channel or your favorite podcatcher, wherever you listen, wherever you want to get your podcast, whatever. We're right there. The Kirby boys are right there. Steven Ellis, he jumps on the Hockey News podcast all the time as well. He's on there as well. About 10 minutes. Well, not 10 minutes till puck drop. 10 minutes until coverage begins like the major coverage pregame shows are galore right now across your favorite network cbc and nbc sports network for canada the united states respectively and i mean if you're overseas listening to us uh thank you very much and of course if you're now i will say this the replay probably will just outdate itself because we're all getting ready for game one tonight so i do apologize if you're catching up tomorrow we'll be on thursday so thursday will not be out of date because they play monday wednesday friday monday again clearly the national hockey league does not want to play a game on a sunday night Okay, whatever. Gives me a couple. I guess it gives us a couple days off. So it means so that's pretty much what it means for the series. It's going to be game preview on Monday, preview of the game the next day on Thursday, and then back at it Monday. And then if the series goes further than four or five games, I knock on this table because I would. Don't you want to love a seven game Stanley Cup final? That means Thursday will also be a game between games five and six. And I'm pretty sure they're going to go back to Monday for seven because why would you play game seven? on a Sunday, right? Because I don't think they'll be, because the, the NBC said they want the series to be done like a week before the Olympics, which is July 23rd is when they start. So I think that gives the league plan time. Now, of course, the reason why is because they, just in case there's any COVID issues, knock on wood, obviously Yoel Armia was a little bit of a scare. Thankfully, it was just the one player that was in isolation. But as of right now, they're on track to have a second Stanley Cup final in the COVID era. There's been a couple of awesome stuff posts out there about how the league has done it. And Gary Bettman, you know, the wife and I were listening to the first part of his presser before we jumped on the show here tonight on the Kula show. And it just reinvigorated my statement of this guy. I may not have historically liked him. We literally had an entire hour and a half show a couple of summers ago where I tore into him and the league for keeping him around and the owners for keeping him around because the owners are the ones that like him. That's the reason why he's still in office and still has a job because the owners liked him. And the way he's been able to handle every single bump in the road during the last 16 months, it's incredible. I, I was talking to my, and she's like, my gosh, he's not like that one guy. And I'm like, you're not about to say Adam Silver, because Adam Silver is probably the only other commissioner that I actually respect in a great deal. Goodell and Manfred, they can go poop themselves. But I, the way Bettman's been able to push through this season and push through and get, make sure. And now, yes, it's not just him. I get it. There is Bill Daly involved, and I know everyone's got their feelings about Bill Daly, but he's been a big part of it. But the way they handle everything, because obviously he was asked about the Chicago Blackhawks, and I guess since we have a little bit of time here, we can touch on this. The story with the Chicago Blackhawks here, I didn't know if we have time for it today just because of the fact that we did have three sets of guests on here. But if you don't know about it, the Chicago Blackhawks there is an independent investigation as the Chicago Blackhawks have hired a former federal prosecutor for an independent review of Brad Aldrich. He was a former video coach that is, has now, there's been allegations that have been, that have come out about 
him assaulting another player during the 2010 playoff run, during the cup run for the Chicago Blackhawks. And Bettman was asked, was asked about it today. He said this all came up recently. So around the time that the athletic article came out, the story came out about the Chicago Blackhawks allegations or the allegations towards Brad Aldrich. It's that he said, we just heard about it. We're cooperating and pretty much, yes, he did a lawyer answer. So not everyone's like, oh my gosh, why didn't he say anything? Why didn't he make a statement? His job is not to make statements. His job is not to say, well, I hope this guy gets busted or something like that. It's not his job to say that. His job is to make sure he does what's best for the National Hockey League. If it means helping out an investigation, absolutely. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to hire people to do. This guy has done so much for the game on both sides of the spectrum, good and bad. I get it. But he has put his time, his effort. And while we think he doesn't try because of his, I'd rather say, easygoing persona when the mic's in front of him, the camera's on. But the way he works is, dare I say, I don't say the word, inspiring is not a right word, but intriguing. Just how the way he's able to, no matter what gets thrown at him, no matter what question where he could throw something, you know, real noteworthy or controversial, dare I say it, he just does his business. And it's impressive just because of the amount of pressure that goes into being a commissioner for a major sports league. But quickly back to the Blackhawks thing. I don't know. We don't know much more than the fact that there is an investigation going on. You find the athletic article. The, the details are in there and they are gruesome. Um, there was a, a released statement earlier today from CEO, uh, team CEO, Danny Wirtz. Yeah, one of the things he said was, quote, much has been recently said about written regarding the two lawsuits filed against the organization stemming from alleged events that occurred in 2010. We want to reiterate to you that we take the allegations described in these lawsuits very seriously. There are in no way reflect this organization's culture or values. And they also said that an experienced team of professionals led by a former federal prosecutor, Reed Shar, of the law firm of Jenner and Block LLP will conduct the review. So long story short, the Blackhawks are taking this thing very seriously. The team itself the team that hired this man. And it's, how am I going to put this? Because here in Michigan, there is a lot going on with former Michigan athletic doctor, Robert Anderson, with allegations of sexual abuse towards Michigan and um, any of his patients is really is because Michigan athletes that came out first, including the son of former legendary head coach, Bo Schembechler and former players. And also we've learned just people. There's a couple people in West Michigan that were just doing other occupations that had him as a doctor, that there were claims of abuse. And there's an investigation going on there. And it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, everyone's like, oh, legacies are tarnished. I'm like, well, yeah, because this is bad. This is bad that this happened. Now, it's not like, oh, they, I don't know what the exact saga is. But all we know is that there's an investigation going on or there's going to be an investigation by the Chicago Blackhawks. The league is part- participating. They're helping out, but they're not conducting one themselves. That's all we know right now. There's really no more details than that. All we know is that there is an effort going on trying to figure out what the heck happened. So there is that with Chicago Blackhawks. We'll keep you updated as the story goes along. I don't know how much is going to be going on publicly during the Stanley Cup Finals or how much is going to be released. This may be more of an off-season sort of thing. We'll just have to wait and see. And, of course, right here on the Kula Show, we'll be sure to keep you all informed when more news comes out about that. So that is it for this one, folks. Got to two hours today. Look at that. We're back to form here on TKS here on 12 Own Sports. 
Make sure you follow us at The Coolest Show, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're on all of them, guys. I post videos, post graphics. Do you guys like the graphic I posted today? I don't know. A few people liked it and retweeted it. More or less probably because of the message, not because my head's sticking out of a Stanley Cup. But regardless, be sure to follow us on all there. And like I said, if you missed the earlier show, if you missed us talking to Stephen Ellis, Peyton Turnage, or missed the first part of the interview with the curfew boys, Sammy and Anthony, that's okay. Check it out on the Keel Show YouTube channel or listen to us on your favorite podcatcher. We'll be back on Thursday talking about the Stanley Cup Finals. It'll be Canada Day as well. I'm really excited about that because we'll probably have a couple of guests for that show. That'll be fun because, you know, Canada Day. I may have some poutine while we're doing the show. I may not have any beer, though. I may want to stay sober for that show. We'll have to wait and see. Probably have some Timbits here as well here on the Keel Show. But that is it, folks. I am Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insider, saying thank you so much for watching this week's episode of The Kuehl Show. We will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.